Phoenix Raceway. A one mile, very flat, very difficult, very unique racetrack. Hey, Baba. You, you feel good? I will once we start racing. Today's a great day to have a good day. I appreciate that. Good race car. Congrats on the pole. Stay in the game all day. Loosen the three from a brilliant place center off. No right rear lateral grip. Now competition caution. Now three, two, and one. More tires. Straight out. We were speeding. Section two. Oh my god. I'm sorry guys. Too fast. Section two. You and the twelve. I just put it on this bumper. I didn't vary from that. Sorry. Right, but he said two. Ready, ready, ready. All clear on exit, all clear. Getting a rhythm here, by half. Not so good, you're off the right front. Just drove straight up out the bottom right into you. We just got the fence hard. The kill? Yes, I broke. Right front is off the wheel. We hit a tire off of the seven, I think. Yeah, that hit pretty hard. Still even 22 tight. Downtown, William Byron leads a bunch of them down to the apron. Four more perfect laps. Green checkered, good job. William Byron picks up his first stage win of the season. Ready, ready, green, green, green. Just FYI, you can't shift down there if you get bogged down and need to. I've been shifting the whole time. So tight, good three and four. Blue, no front grip, but way worse on rear grip. Got a spin, got a spin. Unbelievable, yellow then. Oh, it's not unbelievable because we can't get the car better. I'm trying to stay Terrible. No grip anywhere. All right, we'll be going off of the nine. We'll have 60 to go into the beach. Ready to restart. Elliot and Blaney once again. South side four, so staying in line with you. With three wide behind you. Tight on you. Elliot moved down, blocked him right there. I am Blaney. He'll pull to the inside and take over the race lead. This damn shake is coming back. If he gets the plus 10, though, I need you to be mindful about your shifting. They round off turn four. Blaney gets the stage win. Steering shakes everything. Shakes. All right. I know that was miserable, but we made it. I about wrecked on two. Yeah, man, it's just so hard to, so hard to pass. No, you control the star. Here we go. Green flag back out. Chase Elliott has got the lead. Six wide, seven wide. Last two restarts, Joy runs the bit. Got a big dead trick. Way better. Way better. My is freaking plowing. Just scattered left rear. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Around goes Martin Truex oh. after hard contact. I got blue tire. Four tight. They'll all lined up outside. By one. Nice and smooth here. He'll drive away by two. It is Chase Briscoe to the front of the field. I think I might be blowing up. I'm definitely blowing up. Come to us this time. We're going to open the hood. We're done. You can drive it to the garage. It's got a broke valve spring. Okay. Everything up. I won't go. Hey, somebody can tell I can't go forward. We're going to shake every game corner. Right rear is down. Just stay on. Eric Jones. Tired down. There you go, guys. Good shot of redemption here. Just keep in mind, you got the one on your bumper. He's going to be really aggressive here. This ought to get pretty wild here. I think we're better off being the aggressor. 20-lap shootout here. 
Here's Ross Chastain, though. He'll dive out of line and go for the race lead. James Briscoe to the top spot. Got him spinning down the back. Stretch caution, though. Caution, though. Chase Elliott. Flat five, but no damage. We'll have three to go when you take it. That's the top three guys right there that have never won a race. Go get this damn thing. Go earn it. On you. First-time winners in the Cup Series. We sure do like them. Lots of tire issues going down, cars blowing up, JGR teams struggling, all kinds of stuff to talk about. Plus, we're going to preview Atlanta, brand-new Atlanta Motor Speedway. Welcome to Track Smack here on TrackSmackRadio.com. I'm your host, Don Hall. Of course, with me, as always, Mike Haig from RacedaySA.com. Uh, we want to thank, of course, our friends at Fox for their radioactive, their weekly segment that they do. You can go find it. They tweet it out during the week, but you're also, uh, the best way to find it is on YouTube. They always have them on YouTube and they're amazing. NASCAR also does one, the sounds and sights of NASCAR. I just always found that it was a little more inconsistent than than the radioactive is. So I I dig radioactive. I should, I need to say that. So Mike, how are you? How's, how's life going this week? I'll tell you what, Don, life is going great. It's good to talk to you. Good to be back on TraxMac. And uh, tell you what, four races so far this year, four different winners. We are off to one hell of a start this year in NASCAR. I'm real excited about what I've seen uh, during the last four weeks. Oh, yeah. In fact, that's I brought back, I don't know if you saw, Mike, but I brought back the TraxMac question of the week because I'm like, hey, I haven't done that in a while. And so I had asked that. In fact, I should have been more prepared and went and looked and seen so far what on Twitter, I think I did it as a poll. But I think on Facebook, I just asked the question and I, I hadn't really gone back and looked yet to see. I know a couple of people had said that they loved it. They love the racing that they're seeing so far. How could you not? If you say anything other than the, the, the options were love it, hate it, or undecided. If you say anything, if you say hate it, then you may as well just go. Just just close the door on NASCAR, call it call it what it is and you're you're just not interested in it anymore. Because Mike, we've had some amazing racing. I don't know what there is not to like. Yeah, I and mean, when you look at their uh, result sheet from last Sunday in Phoenix, I mean Chase Briscoe gets the win. We have Ross Chastain in second. Tyler Reddick in third. I mean, when have we seen those three guys in the top three positions? It's been, what, never? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's um, been, but it's been so refreshing. Yeah. And I'm just going to run, while I'm doing talking about the results, I'm just going to run through the top ten real quick because okay. I want to point out Ryan uh, Blaney finished fourth. How about Kurt Busch? A strong fifth place finish for him. Harvick gets a sixth place finish. That's pretty good for him considering the way his season has gone so far. Kyle Busch is in seventh. 
uh, or finished seventh. Joey Logano eighth, but Daniel Suarez ninth place finish. Good to see him crack the top ten. And then Chris Busher, who we're going to hear from in a little bit, uh, he finished in tenth in the tenth spot. So once again, we have a bunch of guys that we've seen in the past not finish up high, and they're finishing up high this year. And this just goes to show you what a different season it is this year with this new car. Yeah, the unfortunate thing there is Daniel Suarez might have even finished a little bit higher and he took Austin Dillon out in the process. Um, he was still able to keep control of his car and come across ninth, but uh, Austin Dillon, who was running up there in the top 10, ended up, I think, finishing in the last spot um, on the lead lap or something. I mean, it was just like down in 30th place somewhere. Actually, it was 21st. Oh, 21st. Okay, then they said it wrong during the broadcast. At the finish, okay. but I mean, look at this, Don. I'm going down the list here. Brad Keselowski, a guy that always, you know, in the past is up there at the top, 23rd. Kyle Larson has some issues with the engine letting go. Uh, finishes 34th. Martin Truex, 35th. I mean, some of these guys that we normally see up front, they're down at the bottom this year, and that's the difference that this season has been compared to last year. So um, I wonder if that trend is going to continue when we go to Atlanta this week. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, we've got lots of audio that we're going to dive into this week on Track Smack it as far as from Phoenix and previewing what we may or may not see in Atlanta. Uh, just a quick show note in this show. Before we head out to, we'll probably touch base just a little bit on some NHRA talk before we head out. But we do want to let you know, we've got IndyCar this weekend at Texas. And of course, Mike and I both will be out there. We're going to do a little separate SmackCast IndyCar Texas preview show. Um, so that's going to be a little bit separate. So, you know, don't freak out that, um, well, what the hell? IndyCar is going to be in Texas and you two aren't talking about it. No, we're going to talk about it. But we just felt like because of that, you know, we've got audio and stuff from some drivers. We just need to make it its own little show because if not, we're going to have you on here for four hours. And that's not really a, well, that's a long podcast. Yeah. But we'll do a separate show, and um, that way, you know, give you something else to listen to <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I'm looking forward to Texas. I, I'm really looking forward to the IndyCar race. It's going to be a really nice weekend. So, we'll, like I said, we'll talk about that on the SmackCast. And real quick, speaking of Texas, they re released um, a press release the other day that Blake Shelton is going to be playing the uh, pre-race show for the uh, all-star race back in May. So, if you haven't got your tickets, they have a great deal for $99, I believe you Get a ticket and you get a infield pass to go down there by the stage and catch all the activities. He's going to play a 60-minute uh, set. So that's, that's going to be a really great event to be at. Yeah. Your tickets for the All-Star Race. It's nice that we actually have, like, somebody that's good big. and famous now and big that like current that's a current person because a lot of times and I and again I don't want to dog TMS you know because it's not just Texas it's a lot of tracks but you get a lot of like old fogies and stuff which I mean there's been great concerts and stuff I'm just worried oh, yeah. sometimes that am I going to see somebody you know have to have the defib come out you know on them are they going to break a hip you, you just never know because there's some oldies, <laughs> oldies but goodies that have been out there in the past. But oh, yeah. um, and I wanted to really quick. I was reading a thread about that on Facebook, I believe. I believe I shared okay. it, and kind of interesting and a little confusing too. So we might have to get on. Um, Dave Hart or somebody from Texas to kind of give us some clarification because a lot of season ticket holders I was reading are 
angry and confused, and I don't blame them because I'm kind of confused as well. So it's $99 if you're not a season ticket holder. If you're a season ticket holder, it's $79 for that pass. But a lot of season ticket holders are angry because in the past, that was part of your season ticket. But then I'm yeah. hearing, but then I'm reading and I see Texas Motor Speedway come in there and post about their, their lanyard that they have, the Texas shaped lanyard. And there's a QR code on the back of it. And it'll, if you scan that, it tells you what your access is for the whole weekend. Well, some people's was saying that they had access on Sunday to the, to pit road and, and, and stuff. And others were not saying it or weren't saying it for the weekend. Then there was a post come back that it's like, no, you, you should be good to go for the concert and stuff. But then if that's the case, then why would you charge $79 for season ticket holders? So the, a lot of confusion. So I think it might be a good idea for us to maybe bring on Dave or somebody from the, from the speedway. So we can talk about that a little bit. Cause I'm not a season ticket holder, but I was confused. Yeah, that that does sound confusing. I must have missed that thread, didn't see it, but um, I'm sure they're probably going to work that out because okay. they don't want to piss off the uh, season ticket holders. Yeah, no. Who are loyal. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, they have been for sure. Well, and some people, you know, were even asking questions about this weekend's race and stuff. So, um, I'll have to I'll share that thread with you here in a little while, so we can kind of go through it, so we're you know we'll know what to ask, but. Well, back to Phoenix, Chase Briscoe, like we said, first time winner in the Cup Series. It's so exciting uh, for him. You know, that kid has been through a lot in the last couple of years, last few years. You remember him and his wife had the miscarriage. Then they were able to have a baby. They've got a young baby at home. Uh, In fact, his wife and his baby were not at the race. They were at home, but some really cute pictures and stuff on Twitter after the win and stuff that they shared. Chase, we, uh, let's see, we, we got to hear from Chase post-race in the uh, post-race media center audio and uh, Mike you pulled some good stuff didn't you yes this aired on the Sirius XM NASCAR uh, post-race show here's Chase after the event that last two two restarts you know with Tyler and Ross uh, I feel like for my chances of winning that was going to be the, the two worst guys I could have just because they're, they're honestly the most aggressive guys on restarts they're going for their first win too and then you had Harvick and a couple guys that obviously are really really good so I knew I just had to drive it in deeper than them, honestly. As long as I did that, and, and thankful that Ross left me a lane. He didn't have to do that. You know, we could have easily wrecked a lot of cars there, and he, he left me just enough room to get back to the outside. So they, uh, they definitely make you earn these cup wins. I feel like that's probably the hardest I've ever had to drive, and at the same time, the most patient I've ever had to drive. You know, they just they don't make mistakes in, in this series. And you know, the longer I'm a chase, I just had to really stay patient and just not make a mistake because Chase is so good and so smooth. So. They definitely make you earn them. Hopefully, uh, we can earn a few more, though. It's just super cool to, to get all of our partners in Victory Lane. The Hendra Tractors is their first year in the sport, and only their, their fourth race, and uh, to get them in Victory Lane is super cool. And Don, a big congratulations definitely goes out to him and Tony Stewart, because like we talked about earlier, big weekend for St- Tony Stewart this weekend, because over on the NHRA side, he got his first victory. Well, he not he, but Matt Hagen. He is a car owner. His driver, Matt Hagen, won the funny car race. So it was a huge uh, victory uh, for for them. And Mahindra is a sponsor for Matt Hagen as well. So that's big for that company and great for Chase. And, and you know, um, if you go to my website, racedaysa.com, and pull up the story from Sunday, embedded in the story is the full interview, the post-race interview. Uh, interview from the media center but one thing that i i didn't realize that his dad is real hard on him and has been for years and he talked about the fact that at times he kind of resented that a little bit but he says now i'm glad he was hard on me because it got me to where i am now 
got me this victory and and he learned the importance of what it winning and how hard it is to get a win so it's a very interesting conversation that chase had and you can listen to it there but uh i thought thought great victory for this young man i hope it's the first of many to come i do as well and you know you mentioned tony stewart of course stewart haas racing there that chase briscoe drives for and chase you know has never been shy about talking about the fact that his idol was tony stewart i mean growing growing up that that's who he has uh tried to uh, embrace his driving style like and stuff and so to drive for Tony Stewart has a, is a huge honor uh, we have some audio some post-race audio from from Tony as well and what's interesting Mike is in this audio he talks about Chase Briscoe's father I believe if I'm not mistaken I was a southern Indiana kid racing my guts out uh, doing everything I could to get good opportunities and good cars and just trying to further my career and uh, you know I raced with with Kevin Chase's dad in sprint cars, and, and I know Kevin and his dad and the relationship they had in motorsports and how talented Kevin was as a sprint car driver, and then got an opportunity to, to watch the third generation come down the pipe and, and watch Chase. So uh, you realize that, you know, obviously he's young and, and he was growing through all that. You don't know what their maximum potential is, but... You know, you can see things in drivers, especially when you're watching guys on dirt. I think it's easy for me because that's my background. It's it's super easy for me to see talent when guys are on the racetrack and, and realize that there's something special about them. And that's what we saw in Chase. And not only did we realize that, Ford Motor Company realized that as well. So we we all took advantage of that and, and realized that there was something special in him that needed to be pursued. And, uh, you know, obviously, like I mentioned, knowing Kevin as dad and, and uh, you know, their background, I mean, to be able to give somebody that came up the same way I came up uh, that has that same dream and passion, I mean, that's, that makes it even that much more gratifying. And there you go, Don. Tony Stewart there on the um, talking about the win and and he's got a lot of respect for this young man and I think this is a driver that we definitely need to keep an eye out because I think he's got a start of a great career going and hopefully the first of many races that he'll win. Yeah, and you know Tony talks about the driving style and about the dirt, you know, the dirt racers and being able to spot talent especially in those dirt racers and it's it's ironic to hear him talk about that because if you recall during the race in the booth Danica brought that up talking about you can tell you can you can just pick out especially in this car the way this car is handling and the tires and stuff you can pick out the guys that are true dirt racers and how they're able to handle kind of these cars just a little bit better it seems than than some of the other drivers yeah and and actually you know this car if you go back and look um this is the number 14 car that clint boyer drove and tony before that so they want to keep that number going and that success going over there on Stuart haas racing i think it's great i i really liked his performance i liked what i saw with him on the track i think it was just a good all good overall effort great to see him get the win and i hope he continues this at atlanta this weekend one of the guys that we heard during the radioactive was Corey lajoy his team was the, was the one that lost the tire. Complete tire came off. I mean, it was it was crazy. And because of that, in fact, it was this afternoon where the rulings, and it's Wednesday, just to uh, clarify. But this afternoon, penalties came out. And I understand there was two cars, I believe, in the Xfinity Series, or one car. One car in the Xfinity Series that also had kind of a similar situation. But Corey LaJoy's crew chief will be suspended now for four races because of this loose tire 
Corey was on, and by the way, let me back up really quick and say the Tony Stewart audio, I want to thank courtesy of Trading Paint that was on there. Corey LaJoy was on with Daniel Trotta, I believe. Uh, correct, Mike? Yes. Um, he was on Daniel Trotta's show there, and he um, talked about the, the uh, crew chiefs. Now, the, let me just go back real quick. This is the one where the entire uh, tire came off the rim. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and see, I, I'm not sure. You know, I can understand if it if it came off and the lug nut, you know, came off and it was still attached to the rim, then maybe a suspension. But to me, if the t- entire tire comes off the rim, why would you suspend a crew chief for that? How's that his fault? And you know what? It's not just the crew chief that gets suspended. There's crew members. The crew members that are handling those tires get suspended as well. So um, I just, uh, you know, I remember hearing about that. I didn't get all the names written down early enough, but a four race suspension too. That's huge. That's, That's a big deal. It's more than a slap on the wrist. But anyway, here's what Corey had to say. We're still trying to figure out what happened because it's a big blow to us. If NASCAR lays the hammer down, not only on just us or Ryan Sparks, for four races, which is the rule that we can get into here in a second, but of the 31's crew chief from Daytona, the Tony Erie Jr., which they're a part-time team, uh, they would be suspending him. They'd be suspending Seth Barber for the 38 car as well for the same issue. When the rule was put in place to deter the crew chiefs from hitting three lug nuts or two lug nuts on the money stop, there was way too many penalties and way too many conversations to be had about lug nuts, cutting threads, lug lengths and all this stuff that teams were fooling around to try to find two or three tenths during a pit stop. The rule was made to deter crew chiefs from telling the the tire changers to hit three and send it because it made the pit stop a second faster. Now you're going to suspend a crew chief four races for what the right front tire, the the tire changers think they're getting it tight. Like Ryan Sparks does not want to send our car with a loose wheel and stuff it in the fence and finish last and also kill a whole car. You know, like it's the the penalty is almost already divvied out before the you know before the NASCAR even hands the penalty out. So for us finishing last with a tore up car, I thought is is penalty enough. But now you know if they kind of stick to their guns with the way the rule is, which I think there you have to look when you are laying a penalty, you, have to, you also have to look at intent, right? Because if the intention with three with hitting three lug nuts was a faster stop and the wheel comes off, yeah. Like, that's the crew chief's call to hit three lug nuts. That is a team-wide decision to do. With a one lug nut, like, it is either on there or it's not on there. You know what I mean? It's not a competition advantage to not get a wheel tight anymore. So that was the intention what we're trying to do. And we also, in our particular case, we didn't get the left rear wedge adjustment that we were trying to get. So we actually gave up all of our track position anyways, came back down pit road, put a wedge wrench in the rear window, and went out and started tailing, like, just tail into the whole line. So if we had any inclination the thing was loose, or if I had any feel in the wheel that it was loose, then we'd have came back down. But, you know, I'm not going to say it's a design flaw. I'm not going to say it's this, that, and the other thing. But I'm also saying that we did everything in our power to keep that thing tight and it didn't stay on there. And, Don, you know, I don't know about what you think about this, but I think Corey's got a great point. Well, and, you know, he talked a little bit about the the other cars and the ones from um, Vegas and that appeal came back because right, they had appealed their decision and it came back that the ruling stands. And so their crew chief, is susp- uh, which I think he said was Tony Uri Jr., uh, yeah. they've been suspended as well. So I believe his team is appealing this decision. So good. But, you know, it's I'm pretty sure it's going to NASCAR is going to try to 
Well, we'll see. We'll see if NASCAR is going to decide to be consistent. Sure, they're going to be consistent. Yeah. They're, they're going to be consistently inconsistent. Yeah. Well, but we'll see. You know, I mean, I, I think, though, Mike, that the deal is, is that NASCAR with the new car and, and everything, they have been crystal clear about rules. I mean, that's one of the biggest issues with this car is to alleviate tinkering and anything else, you know, that they were being able to pull and I, I just, I kind of feel like they've got a zero tolerance deal. And I think if they leave gray area there, let's face it, these teams are always looking for that little bit of something that's going to differentiate them from the rest of the field. And so I, I worry sometimes, you know, it sucks. It sucks for Corey and stuff. But if, you know, if the rule's just going to be black and white with no gray area, then, you know, I, I, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, like you said, they like to push the envelope, some of these crew chiefs, and see what they can get away with. But if, it, if it's in black and white and they're going to follow the rules, then, then good, follow the rules. But this one seems a little strange. I don't know. I, I kind of have to side with Corey a little bit on this, and I'm glad they're going to appeal it, and we'll see what happens. You heard Kyle Larson there uh, during the radioactive talking about his car. He felt it was blowing up. Um, yeah. so he ended up back behind the wall in the garage. Martin Truex Jr. said he felt like he had a tire going down. You, you mentioned the top 10 and up there, you know, you still have guys like Kyle Busch and some others doing well. But yet we just it just seems to me like JGR is struggling. The if it, Toyotas in general have been struggling. But Denny Hamlin, another guy that I mean, we we knew coming into Phoenix, it was like, okay, Denny is hungry. Denny needs a win like soon. And he you could hear it during the radioactive again. He is just struggling in his car. He just cannot seem to get a handle on. I don't know what the situation is, but I mean, there's just something going on there in that 11 car and they are really struggling. You're right. And he's, uh, you know, already all the way down in 27th in the point standings. But when I look at the point standings, Don, Kyle Busch driving a Toyota is second in in the points. And then you have the next driver is uh, the same manufacturer as Kurt Busch, 12th, Martin Truex, 13th, Bubba, 17th. But these cars are not doing very well. I mean, it's Ford and Chevy right now that are pretty much dominating the top 10 in the point standings. And I guess while I'm talking about the points, let me just run through the top 10 real quick. Mm -hmm. Logano's out front. And that's what's weird about this. Yeah. (laughs) You know, four races and and he hasn't won a race yet this year. But Logano is is out there in, in, in first. And then Kyle Busch is second. Chase Elliott is third in points. Kyle Larson, who had trouble the other day. It's still in fourth fourth place, which is good that he's still there. Uh, Chase Briscoe's moved up to fifth. Eric Amarola is sixth, and I think that's good for him this year. Um, he's he's really putting in good performances every week. Uh, Ryan Blaney is seventh. Austin Sindrick is eighth. Tyler Reddick ninth. Kevin Harvick has moved up to tenth. So um, some uh, new new faces in the top ten this year so far after four races this season. You mentioned Tyler Reddick. We've talked about him the last few weeks, second in this race, of course. And this week, some good news for him came down. It was confirmed, Richard Childress confirmed to uh, NBC Sports' Dustin Long and to Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic that Tyler Reddick is under contract with the team through 2023 NASCAR Cup season. So, uh, he, you know, he's under contract there at least for another another year, so he doesn't have to worry about dealing with that this year. Uh, but 
he has been dealing the last few weeks with those leg issues. We talked about, you know, the circulation being cut off and not being able to feel his legs. Mike, I know we have some audio. Who was it that he was talking with? He was talking with Daniel Trotter and Larry Mack. Okay. And this is uh, audio from the other day. And he finally feels that the leg issue and the seat issue, he hopes, is finally fixed. And here's what he had to say. We decided to drop my floorboard about an inch and five-eighths. And, uh, yeah, it helped me a lot. I just had my feet too high in the car. We had a, we had a Charlotte Roval test with this next-gen car back in October, actually right after the at Charlotte Roval race. And I had the floorboard at the, the standard height, if you will. And um, I was actually cutting circulation off underneath my knee. It was digging into the seat when I was pushing the brake pedal forward, flying, you know, getting brake pressure, uh, stopping the car. So I jumped the gun a little bit. We picked the floorboard up quite a bit, and I thought I was really comfortable with where it was. Um, and it was just a learning process, understanding. I just picked my legs up too high. My legs weren't really supported in the insert anymore. All the weight was on my tailbone. And that was pretty much what was causing my nerve to get pinched. So... We learned from it. We had some great help from, from Matt Ray, the, the folks at BSCI, coming out to the shop and working with us on it, talking to physical therapists, other other people I work with weekly on the fitness side of things and, and maintenance side of things on the body. So I'm at 100% when I get in the car. So it was really good to have uh, everyone kind of attack it head on, figure out what was going on and, and make the necessarily necessary adjustments to uh, eliminate the issue entirely so I could get back to uh, – you know, operating at 100% in the race car um, and, and doing the job that I should have been doing for my team. And Don, isn't that interesting that they used a physical therapist for advice? Yeah, no. And, you know, it's yeah. not just him that has been struggling. If you listened again in the radioactive, you heard Ryan Blaney talking about his hands. His his hands were going numb and stuff. And then I think, Mike, I think it was Eric Almarola as well who had been complaining about his legs too during the race. So several drivers complaining about the issues. And, you know, we've seen in NASCAR over the years, things have changed with, with diet, nutrition, uh, hydration, different things that they've done to exercise, uh, working out, you know, different things they've done to prepare their bodies for the grueling <laughs> amount of time they're behind the wheel, you know, on, the, on these cars. It's hot and everything. But I think it's fascinating now that they're using physical therapists for like the aches and pains and stuff like that to try to figure out what's causing some of these things. And um, and that finally makes sense. I've been wondering, you know, what exactly is the fix here on this? And it seems like Tyler pretty much said what they felt they needed to do to change the car to help alleviate the problem that he's had with his legs going to sleep. Well, and Larry Mack addressed it during the during the race too. Talked about the fact that in this new car they they had to reconfigure the driver's area and stuff. There's a lot of things with this car. Uh, let me tell you, one of the things I think is so cool, Mike, with this car, and this has nothing to do with the with the seat, but it does have to deal with the driver's area. Is you know, uh, and and Clint talked about it during the race is. You know, you used to have the your rear view mirror that you could sort of see that they would stick on their their side view or whatever to see. But now they've got a camera or um, a screen in there with a rear view camera view. And that's awesome. I mean, to actually be able to see what's going on now and have that camera back yeah. there. Uh, but I, I would have to think, too, as a driver, you got to get used to that as well <laughs> out of your peripheral vision trying to see. Because uh, a lot of them didn't like to mess with a rear view cam uh, or mirror and stuff because they would fall off. Remember that? There was drivers, I want to say it was Dale Jr. or somebody fell off and they were trying to put it back on during the race and all sorts of stuff. Well, you know, you kind of wonder if that came out of the... Uh the, the technology of backup cameras mm -hmm. to have, you know, and, and I think it's kind of neat to see that. And again, that's the change of this car and 
different the innovations are different you know and i think uh going forward we may see some more changes uh being added to uh what you see inside the car i'm surprised they don't have one like my honda accord has a camera on the passenger side mirror mm-hmm. that when you go to change lanes like when you flick your blinker to the right to change lanes it turns on a camera on the dash so you can see down the side of the car for um uh like a, a Blind spots is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. And it, and actually, uh, when you click it off, it goes off. I'm surprised the NASCAR hasn't gone to something like this, where they have a camera on both sides of the cars going backwards to see, you know, where where the, where you're, like, if you're, like, you know, say at Daytona, you want to see who's who's on the side of you coming up and stuff. Who's in your blind to spot? Me, uh, yeah. To me, that would it might that might be something they might want to consider going to, but I don't know. I just, I think I think it's cool though this new innovation. Oh yeah, and and if they don't have something, if it's not like that already on that screen, because I didn't get to see if that screen is just the rear view, you know that that camera view or or not. I haven't really paid that close attention to it to see that. Have you? It appears to be what you would see if you were looking in the rear view mirror of your car. Okay, you're seeing that out the back. Okay. Well, that's from, good from what I've seen, but it's, it's definitely cool. You you did a good transition there because you were talking about change. We got change coming this week in, in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta changed 163 days oh. it took from the time that Kurt Busch won and took the checkered flag at the last race there last season. 163 days later, they have completed or they completed construction of Atlanta. Mike, the reconfiguration, look at me. Look at me being Mike Haig with the stats right now. Uh, the reconfiguration uh, of the track, it's 28 degrees of banking in every corner of the 1.54 mile track, which now makes it the steepest intermediate track on the circuit i i found that fascinating so this folds of honor quick trip 500 is going to be very interesting uh one change we will have mike and we're going to we're going to talk about a lot of the repave stuff and hear some audio in a minute but what one change we will have is who's going to be in the booth with mike joy and clint boyer this week of course we had danica the last two weeks i thought she did an outstanding job especially this last race i thought that they flowed a lot better this week we bring back jeff gordon jeff gordon comes in and and visits the booth. And so he will be the third wheel there uh, out here for the Atlanta race. And I, I know a lot of folks are interested. You know what's so funny is there was so much flack. Remember when, when Clint first started, it was like, what are you going to hear with Clint and Jeff? You know, because you remember the fight in Phoenix between them when, you know, Clint, oh, yeah. when they snuck when they snuck him out in the toolbox, Jeff Gordon and Clint went looking for him and stuff. Uh, was running through there everywhere but I thought the chemistry and stuff with Danica and all picked up definitely and and they kind of ribbed each other a little bit here and there too um during that second race but it'll be it's gonna be a lot of fun you can you can tell Clint was really excited that Jeff's gonna be back in the booth yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to having him back in the booth uh, I always thought they did a good job good chemistry and Going back to Danica, I wanted to say that I think she did an outstanding job the last couple of weeks, and it's good to hear hear her and her insight and what she brought to the to the broadcast. And hopefully, we'll 
see her again sometime soon. I think we will. I think we'll definitely hear her in May because she usually does with uh, Mike Tirico does the Indy 500 coverage. So I'm sure we'll hear her from there. But Mike, I mean, this repave of Atlanta's track now making it the steepest intermediate track. I know the drivers had some test sessions there. There's been some different things that drivers have had words about, been speaking about. Martin Truex talked about stuff earlier in the week. Uh, But we've got some audio from some guys. Again, guys that we don't normally hear from, which that's what makes me excited about this week's show, too, is, you know, getting to hear opinions from guys that normally we don't hear from. And yet these are guys that have been running up in the front. So it's very poignant opinions that we're going to hear. And let's kick it off. I mean, who better to kick it off with than Prosper Texas' own Christopher Busher? Like, I know yeah. him that well that I can call him Christopher. Chris Busher. Yeah, and this is courtesy of Bob Pockers. And he um, did an interview with him the other day. This looks like a Zoom, inter- Zoom interview. And uh, Chris was talking about turn two. There's a dip. And here's what he had to say about this dip in turn two and some other information about the repave of Atlanta. Here we go. Uh, a handful of bumps around the track. And uh, we've been told and, and kind of shown where they've ground and moved out a lot of those bumps from the initial paving. Um, our understanding is off of turn two, it's not so much a bump up as much as it is a dip, uh, which they can't really do anything about. So, so yes, there will be some character there. Um, considering how rough Atlanta was beforehand, it's, it's amazing it's as smooth as it is. So uh, that being said, I, I love the character of Atlanta. Um, love character anywhere we go. So, so bumps are not a, a bad thing, and uh, we wouldn't expect it to be like glass, but um, that will be one that is probably more pronounced than than others, uh, which is a little surprising because you expect tunnel bumps or um, you know where where different asphalt meets up, but this one seems to be more of just a dip off of turn two that that will show up pretty aggressively in our cars. So, is it like a dip that goes up and then comes? like like that or is it just you go it's just kind of a dip in the track and you kind of keep going i believe it's just a dip that if you were in a, a you know a ford explorer going down the road you you wouldn't think twice about um when we're sitting on stops and uh and, and you know the car gets light across where it just kind of falls into the dip when it loads up i think that's what's gonna gonna hit you so it's gonna feel like you're going up but it's really caused from the the fall into it first. And I think it's large enough that it is going to send, a, it's going to send spike loads through just like Fontana backstretch uh, was. Um, they ground Fontana on the back. The reason we've seen the bumps still as rough as they were uh, is because it's not all just asphalt rolling up and swelling. It's it's still a lot of dips and you can't, you can't grind enough asphalt to, uh, to make that dip line up with the rest of it. And so I think it's just, something that's going to be there for, for this race. And I think uh, like Montana or, I mean, shoot, we're going to go put these cars on dirt in a few weeks. I mean, we better, we better get used to a few bumps here and there. And Don, when I listened to him talk about this, I could not help but think about Texas and the, the bump between turns one and two. How many times have we felt that bump on the um, pace car rides? Even after the repave, you can still Even feel that. Repave, you can still feel a little bit of a dip. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what we're gonna. These guys are gonna have 
experience here in turn two, but it'll be interesting to see when we watch the race Sunday what it what it, what the effect is and if it's really a, fa- a factor or not. I don't know, but it might be. Well, and and you mentioned you know again that this was a. a, a interview done of course with Bob Pockress uh, a Zoom interview and Bob was kind enough on Twitter he posted up several different questions and segments that he did with Chris Busher on it so I invite you to go find Bob's Twitter page and you'll see all of the audio there where Chris talks about some other different things turn four and some other issues we've got uh, Ross Chastain talking about turn four I believe uh, and, and some of the issues or or possibly non-issues going into Atlanta um, and what some of these drivers had learned after their test sessions. Yeah, so really, uh, you know, there was, before we ever went there, there were some pictures of the track and then we got there. Just the angles now, um, they lowered, you know, they lowered the front stretch apron earlier um, off turn four. It it used to go, the grass came out in the dog leg to its natural spot where we all think of. And then right at the start finish line inside the quarter mile track, there was asphalt paved farther in towards pit road. And they had sponsors painted on there and it was a spot to do burnouts. And it was, I don't really know how it ever got there, but it, it was there and they always used it. It was a really dark piece of asphalt that they would repaint and put sponsor logos on. And they took that and just drove that straight out to turn one and turn four. So we could race lower. And at the test, we were coming off turn four, we're wide open all the way around the track and we were cutting the apron right down to the grass and now we're we're like 30 30 more feet i don't know swift he told me all these numbers but i don't remember we're say we're 30 more feet to the left now exit of turn four well then when you get there and you look right that angle to the wall at the dog legs just was not a good look and the drivers as collectively as the the new council group was just really made a push to like we want some help here um they went to uh smi's Swift is our guy that builds, you know, he paves all these tracks, has been for, for decades, as we like to remind him. He's older than all of us. And he, they went, I think, to Nebraska and they figured out the design for the wall, what would be the best. Um, so basically, they just took a little bit of angle out. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to do turn one before we race. I, I hope. Um, I know there's talk about that. Um, so we just made the ask to, just soften all the, the angles. We just don't want any sharp angles to hit on. And we just felt like it was, it was too sharp, especially if, if we're that much slower. Now we're bump drafting in the dog legs. You just think about Talladega. We have a nice transition, a nice tri-oval. And this is a true dog leg um, or a quad oval, I guess, where you kind of have two turns. And if we're bump drafting, there's a chance that you get hooked to the right on the straightaway um, through one of those dog legs. And that angle would just be be too sharp. Um, we asked for help and, and they were more than happy to do it. And so they poured concrete, you know, took some of the angle out of the safer barrier. Um, it's not a performance thing. It's it's, only, it's truly just if somebody hits the wall. We want it to be a glancing, uh, you know, the angle to be just in line with all of our other tracks. We didn't feel like it. Was. And once again, Don, that's courtesy of Bob Pockers. He uh, put that up on Twitter and be sure and check out his Twitter page. So Ross uh, made some good points there and explaining this new uh, layout and facility. Um, I remember when I was uh, there for a track tour about 10 or 12 years ago, 
I went around the track in a 15-passenger van, <laughs> and the guy who was driving went way up and turned three and four high, and then came down on the on the apron there to the to the pit road. I mean, it, it's a hell of a dip and a drop off and transition, and man, it really we hit hard. Uh, you kind of bottom out almost, and um, I know the pit road is kind of small there, so. Um, it's going to be interesting to see um, the configuration of the track and if there's any problems coming off those turns going on to pit road, if that's still uh, as treacherous as it was uh, back then. Something else that could be treacherous at Atlanta is pit road. Yeah. <laughs> and what we're going to see from pit crews, a lot of talk this week on pit crews changing up their choreography and how they will address pit changes and stuff uh, as far as when the car comes in. A lot of them, you know how like we normally see them do their rotation and they're all, all the teams are the same. Well, there's some teams that are going to try and change up and do do a little things differently this week. Joey Logano comes on the morning drive with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistone, um, I believe every Monday, and does a little segment called Behind the Wheel. And he was on this Monday and he was talking about this very thing and kind of, I guess, the dangers of it or how he feels as a driver if he's got any hesitations about it. And we went ahead and, and pulled some audio of that. Uh, it was very interesting. Yeah. So here's what Joey had to say. You'll see other teams do a different pit stop where both the changers will start from the front of the car. And they will go around um, and change the right sides. And so if you can imagine how long that one air hose has to be to go from the front of the car all the way to the right rear and how far it's got to be out because the jackman's got to be up inside of that. And so the, the what they're doing now, it's, it's faster, it's probably faster, but it's very dangerous. That's, the, that's the, uh, the downfall part to this that I'm not a big fan of because I don't want to see anybody get hurt. And when you put an air hose that far out on pit road, on a tight pit road, which we have in Atlanta, and a car leaving the pit stall or coming in, drives over that air hose and hooks it on the splitter, you're going to see an air gun go flying, right? Or it's going to wipe someone's legs out. Uh, it's, it's a recipe, to me, it's a recipe for disaster. It, it, it could be. Um, it, I'm not a big fan of it. That's my opinion, um, just because I don't want to see people get hurt on pit road. It's already a dangerous sport when someone's playing in traffic. Um, and, and now when you're putting more equipment out in harm's way, uh, just ups the potential of, of injury. And um, so hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but I see why teams are doing it. It's, it's faster. The way they, they have it orchestrated to where, you know, the, the guy changing the right rear is going to come around and change the left front. And and the guy from the right front is going to go and change the left rear. And so, as you can imagine, they're kind of just chasing each other around the car, um, which I get it. It's quicker, um, but we'll see, right? If it's way faster, it's going to force everybody to do it, right? And and I think there will be some teams doing it this week. I don't know how many will, but I think there will be probably at least 10 or 12 cars doing it, most likely. Um, and we'll kind of see how that goes, but... Uh, it's it's a tough place to try it for the first time. Atlanta has a tight pit road, real tight pit road, and so that'll be make it even 
even tighter for those guys. So we'll see. And then and there you go, Don. Um, he makes some good points, and hopefully NASCAR will be more proactive on this than reactive. I hope nothing happens bad where someone gets hurt. But, you know, safety's always a, a big factor in NASCAR, and hopefully um, – we won't have any problems. Well, this is one week that I definitely am going to be paying close attention during practice and qualifying because uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how these guys react and are able to drive if there's anything that they can take from previous years of Atlanta to use or is all of that out the window and, and they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants, especially with this new car. This, this really is a test this week for for the drivers, for the pit crews, for everyone. And Mike, I mean, I don't know, I'll go out on a limb here and say, I have a feeling we'll see more than one team with a bobble on pit road or something that could possibly cause a a change in, in leads or, you know, or cause big issues for, for said team. Yeah, I think, I think you're definitely right there. And I, I kind of think about Atlanta this week and I'd look ahead to the next week we're at Texas, not at Texas Motor Speedway, but at Coda, mm-hmm. where we are going to be on the road course. So these these guys have got to shift from a mile and a half to a road course. They got a lot of, a lot of stuff they're juggling right now, is there? Because they're not just you know they're not just concentrating on Atlanta right now. They're always looking ahead to the next race as well. So this is going to be interesting. And you know, there's not as many um, pit road is a little bit smaller at Coda. It's not as long as some of these other tracks. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how not only does it affect Atlanta, but I think Coda is as well. When you talk about Coda, it's a track that they've only gone to one time and and that was last year. And it was such a cluster, uh, because of the rain and, and, and everything. And in fact, and again, I'll direct folks to go to Bob, uh, Bob Pockris's Twitter page. NASCAR implemented a, a few things right before we went on air. I saw them being posted, so I didn't get a chance to read, but it has to do with, uh, some some rain instruments and and things like that that they have not implemented that can happen or or be used. So um, we'll have to look into that a little closer, Mike, and, and and we'll discuss that here as we get close. But you know, here you mentioned Coda, and then the week after that, they come back and they go to Bristol, I believe it is, and they go dirt racing at Bristol on a track that they'd only been to one time. And again, it was a huge cluster mess because it, of rain there. You know, when they had the rain there as well, so. Two tracks that they've only been on one time, and both times it was screwed up because of rain. So really and truly, no true idea of how these tracks are going to run. And then you throw the new car into the situation. Yeah. And so you have a mile and a half, a road course, and a half mile dirt track that's that's going to be contested on. You look at the point standings right now. I wonder if they're going to be anywhere close or even near what they are in three weeks from now. I have a feeling we might see a big shuffle. Who knows who's going to win? I mean, we've had four different races, four different winners. I would not be surprised to have a different winner at at Atlanta, a different winner at, at Coda, and a different winner at Bristol. We might be... A, Seven races, seven different winners in just a few weeks. I was going to say, it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. I know one guy that's going to be excited to be at Coda, and that's Chase Elliott. Uh, uh, you know, if, if you watch that new NASCAR commercial where they talk about the changes to the schedule and stuff, and he's like, wait, we still got the road or road courses, right? And yes, Chase. So, <laughs> Mike, uh, before we go to, uh, in fact, Ryan Blaney talked 
um, earlier. He was on the late shift earlier this week, and he talks about what he thinks we will see during the Atlanta race or, or how the race could play out. I do want to throw out there that, again, right before we came to air, um, the NASCAR came down with the decision that the choose rule will be in effect at Atlanta this weekend. And we will run basically the no going below the yellow line rule, except that the no under the apron line rule will be against the red and white line at Atlanta because they don't have a yellow line. It's a red and white striped line. So uh, regardless, there is no dipping under that. So that's going to probably play heavy in this, again, considering repave, different turns, bumps, things that they're not used to. I, I could say that that definitely could make it a little bit more dicey. Has anyone even considered what the weather forecast is this weekend? Rain. Do we have any? Oh, good. Yeah. Great. Good grief. That's yeah. going to even throw a wrench, another wrench in the whole operation here. Yeah. In fact, again, Bob Pocker's Twitter page. He, I'm, I'm telling you, Bob covers it all. He's got the rain issues. He's got all sorts of stuff. So uh, there I, is some yeah, rain in the forecast. Like I've said, he's the hardest working guy in the media center. And oh my God, did you laugh your butt off at the um, the little skit that they did during pre race? Did you see it with Bob? No, I didn't. I missed that. Oh, I'll have to go share it. It's it's out there floating. I'll share it with you. But it's Bob basically is the life of the party, um, and like there's a, a a behind the scenes party there. And Jamie Little, Jamie Little cracks me up because she's sitting there with glasses on, and and Adam Alexander and some other guys are there. And here comes Clint trying to get in, and there's two big old bouncers, and they won't let clint in he's not on the list and so clint has now the party guy clint mr fun man mr funny guy has been bounced for pocaris and supposedly pocaris's jokes and stuff are just hysterical and all and it, it's just so funny because from for anyone who knows bob uh <laughs> bob's always comes across as the shy kind of what introvert wouldn't you say i mean very quiet to himself, you know, hardworking, friend, you know, friendly if you go up and talk to him. Oh, absolutely. But, but other than that, he's not going to bother you. He's, but he's, you know. He's not going to come in the media center and ruffle ruffle your papers and stuff like some people. Oh, no. No. <laughs> not, 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 not Bob. <laughs> but, well, and we I guess. Go, the, we won't go there, Don. <laughs> I know. I just had to do it. A little inside joke. You know, this this new job and stuff that he's he's taken on with Fox and all, it's really kind of brought him out of his shell and. So I thought it was cute. Again, it's one of those inside joke kind of things, I, I, I believe. And so if if you didn't know that Bob was like that, this quiet kind of Bob reminds me of a bookworm. That's just what I see when I when I see Bob. It's just, you know, he always he reminds me yeah, of the kid at school that's always in the library checking out books, you know, always if, if there's something that needs to be done, you know, he'll he'll get it done. And he reminds me of just like the perfect student ever. I don't even, I don't think I've ever seen Bob go and eat in the media center area he brings his own snacks because he eats healthy so he's always yeah. got like grapes and stuff he brings in his own food and everything and it's like the only time you see bob get up is if he's going out to the track to get audio or do an interview or something really quick and if not he's back inside and he's on his computer so um that's bob he's, he's a great guy uh, i wish more people could get to know him because he's he's really a hell of a motorsports journalist 
Oh, yeah. he And, and, and just, like I said, a really nice guy, too. He really is. Just quiet. You just got to kind of break him out of his shell. Um, so I mentioned Ryan Blaney uh, kind of tells us what he thinks Atlanta gonna is going to be, be draft, at. Um, oops, Ryan's trying to jump in there before I'm ready for him. So <laughs> we think, uh, or we mentioned that Ryan Blaney was going to talk to us about what we th- what he thinks we will see during the Atlanta race. I know you haven't heard this audio, so get a pen ready just in case this kind of helps you decide who you want to go with for your picks. But uh, here's what Blaney had to say. He joined the guys with the late shift earlier this week, and here's what he thinks we'll see out at Atlanta. A little bit, but at the end of the day, I think you're going to see a Daytona-like race with us in a pack the whole time, too wide. I just don't see that because it's, it's smaller. Arrow is going to come a little bit. Arrow handling is going to come into play a little bit more. Um, I heard the track is a little bit rough, actually, for a repave. It's kind of patchy and, and got some pretty good bumps in it. So I'm not really sure what to expect. Um, just kind of go in there with an open mind. It's nice we have a 50-minute practice on Friday to kind of run a little bit more, and, and you run by yourself to see how your car is. And then I'd say you, you probably go out with your teammates and kind of run in traffic and just see what it is. If it's an increase in speed in the draft, uh, if your handling goes away in the draft after some laps. So all that stuff uh, we'll be learning pretty quickly on the fly on Friday. Uh, so I, I try to keep an open mind when going to these new paved tracks with this package and something we've never really seen before and uh, just kind of see what you got when you get there Friday. Well, there you go. And, Mike, again, as as fans of, of Texas, this track, of course, you know, sister track to Texas Motor Speedway. And, again, even though it's repaved, Texas and, and Atlanta always ran, uh, compared to all the other intermediate tracks, they were the closest um, as far as speed and the banking and stuff. Now, of course, Texas took away some of the banking, and now you've got this 28 degrees of banking in every turn at Atlanta. Um, you know, we always worried about, I can remember the talk was always, should Atlanta be considered one of those tracks back when we ran the restrictor plates? Should we put a restrictor plate on the track? Because Atlanta was always so fast. I'm very interested, like like Ryan was saying, to to check out these practice sessions and see see exactly what's going to happen because not everybody ran the test so again some of these guys it sounds like ryan didn't run a test so it sounds like to me he's just getting information from a teammate or somebody else that um, either a manufacturer same manufacturer or or a teammate that possibly did the test so it's going to be brand spanking new for a lot of these guys yeah i think it's going to be a a good race a fast race a very interesting race and um i think you'll see a bunch of the manufacturers sticking together and race teams sticking together running together this weekend and i'm glad that he mentioned about the draft you know there that because again it does get so fast there that they do draft at that you know these a few of these mile and a half tracks texas they do a little you know some as as well but i think the way he sounds i mean like you said it's not going to he doesn't think you'll see like a Daytona kind of, you know, draft pack together, but you are going to see some drafting happening. Yeah, I definitely think so. And um, that it's going to be uh, it's going to be cool to see um, practice and qualifying how all that plays out. But I'm, I'm just excited about coming back to Atlanta. Uh, I think the, 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 the track is doing the right thing by, you know, reconfiguring it and paving it. It's always good to do some changes every once in a while, but. I hope it's the right changes that they made because I think at Texas they made some mistakes. I don't think they should have, you know, reconfigured turn one and two, and I think they should have never put that PJ one compound down. Yeah, uh, but that's, that's that's another story for for another day. <laughs> another, 
There you go, bitching. Don't bitch. Don't be the NASCAR fan. Don't complain. So, Mike, before we give our picks, I know we've when we talked last last week, we were previewing Gator Nationals there for NHRA, and we were wondering if we were gonna if we were gonna get it or were these guys just gonna have to race down the down the strip in a boat <laughs> because it seemed like it was never gonna stop raining. Did we finally? Uh, well, I know we finally got some in because we talked. To, you mentioned earlier about Tony Stewart's team getting their first win. How did everything end up happening? Um, was it all on time and stuff? Did or, or did they have to wait? Was there delays? Well, Don, we had some major drama go down at the Gator Nationals. First off, Mother Nature just rained out Thursday. For our Friday qualifying, Saturday they only got one qualifying round in. And some guys and gals like Antron Brown and Leah Pruitt, Tony Stewart's wife, Sean Langdon, they set out on Sunday because they did not qualify for the race uh, Sunday because they didn't run very good in qualifying. They only had one round and they were there were more than 16 cars there. And they were in the 17th, 18th, and 19th spot. And outside the... Uh, the uh, top, uh, you know, 16 and the top 16 qualifiers always make the Sunday show. So Antron didn't get the run Sunday, neither did Leah. And that was a huge blow to those teams. But we had um, Trip Tatum, uh, basically a newcomer, come into the, to the, to the class uh, this year. He's competing full time. He wins the top fuel race in an epic race against a guy named um, Doug Foley, who also is a uh, Long-time drag racer, but uh, running pretty much the full schedule this year in top fuel. These are guys that barely win one round every every week when they race, and yet they made it all the way to the finals. So they they took the win there, and uh, he took the win trip, took the win in uh, top fuel. We already mentioned Matt Hagen and Funny Car. He won the um, first race for Tony Stewart Racing in, in the Funny Car class. And that was a great race. Dallas Glenn got the the race in pro stock. And in the, the motorcycles, they did, were not able to qualify on Saturday because the, the temperature got too low in the evening. I mean, it, it was down in the 30s Saturday night. After all the rain cleared out, the cold air came in from that cold front. And the, it was too dangerous for the motorcycles to get on the track. And so they didn't, they, 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 this was their first race of the year. So they based the starting order off of points from last season. So there were some guys that showed up, didn't get a chance to race as well. But we had a female driver, uh, Karen Stouffer, who uh, ran against Angie Smith, another female driver, who had all ladies final in pro stock motorcycle. And that was an epic run for both those drivers. And Karen picks up the win. Um, Great victory for her. So the Gator Nationals turned out on Sunday to be a beautiful day. Great racing. But um, when I'm talking about the drama, when you don't, you guys got, when you have guys like Antron and Leah and Sean Langdon not making the field, that's a huge hit in the point standings. And I know it's early in the season, but um, sometimes it takes a long time to recover because uh, when you don't start the show on Sunday, you don't get any points at all. So going to have to get with it here. Now the, the series is off until April 1st and through the 3rd. They're going to be out in Las Vegas for the four wide nationals at the Strip. The where the where We just had the NASCAR race there in Vegas. There's a beautiful drag strip right behind the, the uh, grandstands there. And that's where the Camping World uh, Drag Racing Series is going to return 
April 1st through 3rd. So we got they have a few weeks off now. And again, we want to remind folks that IndyCar will be at Texas this weekend. Mike and I will do a IndyCar quick uh, little show that we like to call a SmackCast. We will do a special IndyCar SmackCast and have that out here um, very, very soon. So get ready for that. And then, of course, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, uh, we'll we'll be on all three deals this weekend from Texas Motor Speedway, seeing what sort of antics and trouble we can we can stir up out there at Texas. And you know, this is a weekend that we we love to go out because it's it's laid back. It's it's and and it's interesting because normally we go out and we still have NASCAR. We either have the Xfinity Series or we have the Truck Series or something running with with IndyCar. But this is going to be all by itself IndyCar weekend. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see how it's going to feel and play out. And yet at the same time, Mike, I'm a little anxious and not going to lie, a little worried and sad that this may be the last race that I see the Indy cars run at Texas Motor Speedway. And that, that kind of bums me out. Yeah, because there's they've been there a long time, a lot of races. We've seen some good races, and um, hopefully they'll sign a contract for an extension and we'll keep Indy car at Texas. So keep your fingers crossed. All right, well, we'll talk more about that during our SmackCast. And by the way, I understand they're... I think they still have the Jimmy Johnson special going on. You know, he, he's ran the number 48 for many years there. And I think you can get two tickets for $48. Steal. And let me remind folks who haven't gotten tickets or who may be on the, on the fence about it. IndyCar, what's so cool too, is you're going to get an autograph session with every IndyCar driver. They are out there for an hour and they do a yeah. mandatory every week Every driver out there for an hour doing an autograph session, such a great event to take kids to. And, you know, the drivers love it. They love visiting with the fans. It's it's laid back. There's um, a lot of room to move around. So if you buy a ticket and you don't like your seat, you know, get up and move because there's plenty of room to, to move around to. I, I'm, I'm hoping it's a good show just in case if, if this is the final race that we see out there. I would love for it to to have as many eyeballs on it as possible. If you can't get out to it, make sure you're checking it out. Sunday morning, uh, 11.30 Central Time will be the green flag drop. So make sure you are paying attention and watching it there. I, I guess it would be on, is it on NBC? Is that what it, or the Peacock or? Uh, I think I think NBC, I believe. Okay, M- NBC or NBC Sports, one of those. One of those, it'll be on. We'll have it on our on our uh, IndyCar show. Okay. Hey, look at you already. Like, yeah. that's something that we have to look up. Okay. Well, check, we'll, check us out. We're, we're already making notes of notes that we have to do for the show. So, all right, Mike, picks for Atlanta. Go ahead. I decided to go all Ford this week, Don. Oh, okay. The Ford drivers are doing well. And uh, so I'm going to go looking at the Fords. Um, Joey hasn't won yet. I'm going to say Joey gets the win in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. My long shot is going to be um, Kevin Harvick. And my really long shot, really, really long shot there, uh, I'm going to go Eric Amarola. Right. You know, he's uh, six in the point standings, and he's running well. And this is a race that he might pull that car in victory lane. So check it, check that out. All right. Well, um, I'm going to go with the guy that gave us advice at the beginning of, or right there at the end of our Atlanta segment. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. Uh, for the win my second pick or my long shot is a guy that has finished in the top three 
the last two weeks, and I think he's hungry. I think he's ready for that win. I'm going to go with Ross Chastain. I mean, this dude has got momentum behind him. The big Mo is is pushing him through. So I, I really would think that there's a possibility we could see uh, some big things from him this week. And then my really, really long shot, um, just a guy that I think normally – actually has not been running bad at all this season. And when I think of drafting and those kind of issues, um, Austin Dillon usually is a guy that you watch. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go with Austin Dillon as my long, long shot. So that's my picks. Those, those are good picks. I love how you always tell me that you always like give me kudos, which yeah. makes me feel because good. Because you usually do good picks. Oh, well, thank you. And I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I usually well, curse I, who I pick. So that's, that's why I've dropped in your fantasies league i'm down to oh don't even i'm like fourth. second to the bottom yeah i, I haven't done very well in, with the picks mm. i started off real well but led the first couple of weeks and then boom <laughs> i'm still trying to figure it out and then i get sent a thing we're playing on i think it's called fan tracks is is yeah. what we're playing on and i got sent a deal today the advertising i guess they do f1 as well and i'm like oh hell i mean a i don't watch you know which i'd like to start watching i need to pay more attention but i i'm like i can't even figure out the one sport that i know the most about on on this deal <laughs> i have yet to figure out how the trait you know how you can swap out the drivers and stuff and like yeah. i said i got screwed that one week i because i swapped out too many and you couldn't you weren't allowed to i couldn't put substitutes in for them it was weird yeah. so i only had three drivers one week <laughs> i remember <laughs> so that was a setback yes that's that's where the fall <laughs> happened and and i have not recovered since then the only, plenty of time the only plus side is is our good friend mike benson who normally you know he he's our newbie in here we'll have to get benson on the show here soon normally he's up there leading for you know he's like dixie you know he's he's like your wife dixie he's doesn't really pay attention to the sport, really. Well, I mean, Mike does though. He watches the races. Um, he's a big Joey Logano fan, but and oh, Kev, okay. actually, he's a huge Kevin Harvick fan. And then he likes Joey and he likes Brad. But he's new, you know. He's new to it. So you would think you and I, with you know, you especially, and then myself. Yeah. But you know that we've we've got this knowledge, this insight. We hear, you know, we're listening to the interviews. We're we're doing all of this, and yet I never. <laughs> I suck when it comes to it. So maybe I overthink it. Yeah. Maybe I need to start going girl with it and just like, oh, well, so-and-so is wearing the, Bubba's wearing the Dr. Pepper uniform this week and he looks yep. super cute. So maybe I'll just go with that. Pick it, on, pick it, pick it, the cars based on how pretty, pretty they look. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how like a lot of chicks end up doing for like some squares or doing their brackets that way. Oh, he's wearing like, I like North Carolina because of the blue uniform. So I'm going to go with them. <laughs> Or you go with the mascots, you know, which is just a cuter, cuter mascot. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, we need to do something. So, well, Mike, uh, I'm going to let you jump because I know you are, have been heavily into watching college basketball and, yeah. and, you know, getting ready for the all the tournament stuff that's been going on. You're watching both men's and women's. We were talking about that before we went to air. So I'm going to yeah, let go you go Baylor there. OK, well, that's that's what you say. I know. I know, you know, your son goes to Baylor. Well, so partial, you know, I have to support Baylor because <laughs> that's where all my money is going. <laughs> It used to be at A and M uh, with your I'm, with your daughter. I'm still an Aggie fan, but uh, right now it's Baylor, uh, and he's actually covering the games, uh, covering a bunch of the um, 
uh, sports there and he's done a bunch of stories they put out a uh, 16 page or tab like a section or i don't know eight, eight, 10 12 16 i don't know how many pages it is huge with all these basketball stories from the men and women going into the, to the uh, tournament on the lariat newspaper so um but michael's done some great stories and he um Hey, the other day he got this real quick. I know that doesn't have anything to do with racing, but the Texas Sports Hall of Fame is located in Waco. Mm -hmm. If you ever going through Waco, stop. But RG3 got in, Mel, Ren Mel Renfro inducted, and Tony Parker was there, and uh, Chris Bosch was there as well. They were all inducted. Nice. The Texas Sports Hall of Fame. So Michael got to cover that the other day and meet them, and even Earl Campbell showed up. Oh, I love Earl. Love Earl Campbell's mm. sausage, too. It's really good. Oh, yeah. Those hot links. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I always have to tie it back to food. Yeah, well, I need to put that on my list of things. So I need to do the silos in Waco, which I still haven't done yet. Um, yeah. You know, Chip and Joanna Gaines, their silos. I've got to do... Um, well, you, Waco's got the Dr. Pepper Museum. Uh-huh. They've got the, the Texas Ranger. Mm. Not the Museum. baseball team, but like the actual like Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> You know, Chip and Joanna Gaines have the um, Magnolia place with yeah. the, where the silos are. And like I said, the Texas Sports Hall of Fame is there as well. And there's some good places to eat in Waco, too. Dude, if you would have told me in 1991 that Waco was going to end up being like a destination, vacation destination spot where there would be all kinds of things to do and see there, I would have told you you're smoking crack. Because we used to have to go to Waco when I was in high school. We would drive up. Again, my high school was in San Antonio. We would drive up and play Waco Riker. Uh, you know, that's a three-hour yeah. drive, a three-and-a-half, four-hour drive up to up there to play. And all, all I remember, this is always how I go with Waco when, when I tell people. I'm like, well, when you drive through Waco, it's nothing but uh, cemeteries. Because that's all you see on 35 for a while going through Waco is the cemeteries. And then, of course, you see the beautiful campus, Baylor campus, which reminds me of my old college campus in Boston. Um, yeah. But it is, it is a beautiful campus. I will give them that. And when there's no more Texas teams, when my Texas Longhorns get beat out or whatever, then, uh, you know, I'll pull for Baylor, Baylor, and, you know, just because they're a Texas team. But, you know, I got to be loyal to my horns. That's that's what I do. Oh, I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so, and, and damn your kids for being overachievers, you know, and having to go to these expensive D1 universities that they've gone to, you know. Yeah, Couldn't no they have kidding. shot no lower kidding. for the you know, community college or working at Dairy Queen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I know you're proud That's of both mean. of them. They've done very well. Yes, they have. So. All right. Well, Mike, thank you. It's been fun. And you and I right. will do it again tomorrow evening when we record for our IndyCar preview. And again, we invite you guys to, to check us out, to pay attention. Give us, give us, you know, if there's something special you want us to cover or go see or, or show you live, we'll be doing some live Facebook stuff and all from Texas Motor Speedway. We would love to do it. And then we'll be back next week to preview Coda. It's, it's a Texas, it's all sorts of Texas stuff this coming uh this coming week so yeah. uh we'll be we'll be doing oh yeah this week next week and pretty much the rest of the month of march maybe mike and i can go and have some good <laughs> some, some good barbecue and we'll facebook live some yeah. some barbecue so yeah let's do some barbecue uh 
hit some barbecue joints as well. All right, we can do it. There's there's one right across the street, right. pretty much from my house, that you need to go to Tender, which is one of the top spots to go okay. to. So we got. Oh, I don't know. We'll talk about it off the air. There's too many for me to name right now. So all right, all right, guys, have a great Sounds week. Good. We will uh, we'll holler to you next week. Yummy, yummy barbecue. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.